Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Stress Podcast. I'm really excited to welcome you here this morning or this afternoon or this evening, depending on when you're listening. And today I have a really wonderful podcast guest in the show, and it is Ron Carr. Hi, Ron. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Julie. How are you? I'm doing great. I am super excited to talk with you about your book today. But before we jump into all of the questions, I always start my podcasts with, tell us what you did this morning and where you are located and what time zone you're in. So I'm on the East Coast of the United States in Boynton Beach, Florida. Okay. And what I did this morning was I got up, I meditated a little bit, got ready for the day and started my day. Great. That's really nice. Do you do usually guided meditations or do you just sit down? And I did guided meditation. I moved to my own meditation. Nice. How long did that take you to move from guided meditation to more, more of your own practice? Um, well, it didn't really take me a long time. It's just a question of being disciplined to do it. Um, uh-huh. But basically, it's, uh, what was necessary was for me to believe that I could do it on my own. And I do meditation just to clear my mind and to, you know, I have ADD. So it's really to gain focus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes just by clearing your mind, not letting all your mind go race in different directions, yields focus. So it's not like I'm focusing on a single thing. Mm-hmm. I'm actually focusing on emptiness. Okay. You know, so every time thoughts come on mind, I'm not allowing myself to be taken by them. Okay. Wonderful. And how long is that meditation practice? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Nice. That's awesome. That's a really nice way to start the day. Um, Ron, tell us a little bit more about yourself. So who are you and what have you been up to over the last few years? (laughs) Who am I? Who are you? Uh, Big question. (laughs) I was born in New York. I just moved to Florida. So I've been around this earth for a while. Um, What I'm doing, I'm a sales leadership expert. Uh, so I write books, I speak at conferences, and I'm on retainer by companies helping them grow their businesses. So my passion has changed a little bit in the last few years, uh, given some surgeries that I had and realizing that some of the things I wanted to do, I didn't do. <clears throat> and when I asked myself why that was, it was realizing that there was some storylines going on in my head as to why it can't be done or won't be done. So I started uh, realizing time's getting short. So you better start developing some velocity and getting it done. And I started investigating what stops us from moving forward. And that's how we came up with the velocity mindset. And so right now my mission is, is to help people live their lives with a velocity mindset so they can achieve what it is that they want, control their destiny. And at the end of the day, at the end of a period of time, not be disappointed because they haven't done certain things that they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can you define a little bit better what velocity mindset <coughs> means to you? Sure. So I'd like to do that with a question, if you don't mind. So when you hear the word velocity, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Um, I would say change. Change. Okay, great. 
So people will say change, some say speed. But if that's all you do is change and, or, or have speed, and that's it, then you're probably going to have burnout, not velocity. Mm-hmm. The true definition of velocity is speed with direction. Mm-hmm. That's a physics definition. So direction is where you're trying to go. It's your purpose in life. Mm-hmm. The reason why that's so important is because anybody, a lot of people are more task-driven than they are purpose-driven. They, they let the task take over their lives and they're trying to you know, do their task list. And at the end of the day, they didn't have time for lunch. They're so tired. But they start looking at what they accomplished. And even though they accomplished all their tasks, sometimes they're sitting there saying, but what did I really do? Did I really move the needle forward? And many times all of us can relate to the fact that we had those days and say, no, we didn't. That's because they were letting their task drive their, their actions and their decisions versus their purpose. The purpose being, what is it you want to achieve? Mm-hmm. So if we can add that concept of direction, the end result that you want with the speed, then number one, you're only going to do the tasks that are germane towards getting there. You're not going to waste your time on other tasks. And number two, you're going to be making better decisions based on that. Mm-hmm. And that's really the secret for getting what you want in life. I think a lot of people are task driven. I think that's such a such a good insight. And um, how do you move from a task mindset almost to a, a more purposeful driven mindset? Because I feel like we hear a lot about it, right? We talk about values, we talk about purpose finding purpose in life, but then how do we really shift that mindset? Because that, that's probably the biggest challenge that people have, I would assume, right? Yeah, so you have a purpose in your life. You've got a purpose for a sales call. You've got a purpose for an employee meeting. So the first thing you want to do is ground yourself that, you know, this is successful, this meeting, this conversation, this period of time. What would that success look like? What is the end result that we want to achieve? And, and be very clear on what that is. Now, a lot of people sit there and say, well, I can't figure out my purpose. I don't know what my purpose is. Mm-hmm. And they're mistaking something. They, you know what, what you want to do. You may not have clarity on how to get there. You may not have clarity on what's involved. But you know deep down what it is that you, know, you would like to have in your life. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is just start having that in your mind. Because having that in your conscious waking moment is going to dictate the kinds of questions you ask and the question and 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 the tasks that you're going to do. Now, where people feel like they don't have the purpose is because they don't have all those details. It's okay not to have the answers up front. The clarity of your journey, or the clarity of your purpose, rather, will become clearer as you go through the journey. Mm -hmm. So allow yourself not to have all the answers up front. Mm -hmm. Just have an idea where you want to go and you'll know it's the right thing because it's going to be the thing that you're passionate about. It's going to be the thing that's going to pick you up after you've been knocked off the tracks by unforeseen forces because you want it so badly, you're going to get back on a track and you're going to keep that journey going. Mm -hmm. But But to break it down into a more concise example, you know, if I'm working with uh, leaders, CEOs, or working with a salesperson, they, they say, I got a big meeting coming up. The first question I'm going to ask them is, what's your goal for the meeting? What do you mean? What, what's your goal? What do you want to accomplish in this meeting? Well, I want to close the deal. All right, well, how many, what's your sales cycle? Five calls to close the deal. What call is this? Number one. 
So I said, is that really a valid end result? If you know it takes you five calls to close a deal, mm -hmm. why would you say that your first goal is to close a deal in the first call? That means what you're going to do is talk, 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 close, 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 and you're going to be really out of there really fast. Mm -hmm. Your goal really should be then to qualify whether or not this is the right customer for you and identify with the customer what the path forward is. Mm -hmm. And if you have that in your mind, then you're probably going to ask better questions on that call and make better decisions on how to go forward with that call. And then what, you know, what, what are you going to be asking for at the end of it? That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that is probably super important when with that specific example is how to build trust, right? And I know that you talk a lot in your book as well about the neuroscience of trust. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how, how that works? Like how, what, what, what is the neuroscience behind building trust with people? Well, there's three hormones in our brains, cortisol, oxytocin, and dopamine. Cortisol is the love, is the fight or flight hormone. Mm -hmm. We have it inside of us. The first thing any leader does, and we are all leaders, by the way, Julia. I mean, you know, people think you have to be a leader or a manager to be a leader. That's not true. Salespeople are leaders. We're all leaders of our lives. In fact, the, the premise of the book is what would the world look like if everybody acted like a leader and not a victim of circumstance, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm going, but in order to achieve what you want in life, you're going to have to engage others to support you. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how do you engage them? So we understand cortisol is a fight or flight. So if you're a salesperson and, and you're cold calling or you're emailing somebody when they're not expecting you or even if they're expecting you, but things come up and ruin their day, the bottom line is we're usually an interruption in someone's day. So the first thing you have to do is understand that and realize that your first goal or your first job is to create an environment that's safe enough for someone to want to talk to you. They got to understand they're probably agitated already as it is. The cortisol is above a five. That's where you get agitated. You know, they're wondering what you're doing there. They're afraid you're going to sell them something they don't need. So it keeps going up. And if you don't understand that, and then the first thing you do is start talking about the 20 features of what you can do and why they should buy from you without creating some kind of emotional connection, all you're doing is raising that cortisol even higher and they've checked out from that conversation. But if you know your, goal, your job is to lower that cortisol so you get them to a three to five so they really engage, now the question is how do you do that? And you do that by having a question about where they're going, not about what you want to do. So the best way to get them to lower their cortisol is to ask them what, you know, what does success look like for them in the next year, depending on what they're selling, or what are your three biggest challenges in getting to where you want to be? And we've shown them through some role plays on stage how that transformation takes place instantaneously because automatically they move from a point of, why is this person bothering me? You know, what are they after? To where am I trying to go? Which is a topic they're really interested in. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're asking about it, they start believing maybe you can help them get there because you're the one who instigated the conversation. So automatically that starts lowering that cortisol to a point where they can engage. And because you're asking about where they're trying to go, they start developing a little bit of trust with you because you made it about them. So they start giving you that information, the three challenges that they're having or what success looks like to them. They wouldn't give that to you if they didn't start trusting you, mm -hmm. which means the oxytocin is starting to be released a little bit. 
And then they start feeling good about the conversation because, hey, this person's going to help me get to where I want to be. The dopamine effect is what makes you feel good. But you can't have dopamine unless you have oxytocin. You got to have the trust for us before you feel good about it. So those are the three hormones we explain to people in a very simple way in the book and on stage. And then we show them real life through a transformational role play of how it actually plays out. So A, they understand it, and B, they're willing to try it when they leave from that speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That's really, uh, really powerful. Um, I see that you have the book in the background. I don't know yes. if, if it would be uh, too spontaneous right now to ask you to maybe read um, a page of maybe one of your favorite chapters. Would you be willing to do that? <laughs> All right. Let's see. So one of the things we talk about is limiting thoughts. Anytime something happens to us or someone says something to us, one of the things that we do automatically is we create a story as to what that means. Mm-hmm. Now, that story, so stories are fueled with emotion. So if it serves you well and it pushes you forward, great. But if it holds you back, like a story that says, I'll never be able to do this, whatever. The good news is whoever wrote that story can change it, meaning you can change that story. Mm-hmm. So the question is understanding what stories are serving you well and not serving you well. And then um, how do you do it to uh, figure it out? So one of the things I talk about is my daughter's softball game a few years ago when she was playing softball in the summer. And... Um, They lost to a team during the season really bad, 23 nothing. They were mercy during the third inning. They were playing against this pitcher that was pitching 65 miles an hour, which is like a 95-mile-an-hour fastball from a major league pitcher. Make a long story short, they're 8-8. Eight eight. They get in the playoffs. They won the first game. Now they're playing for the championship, and who are they playing? They're playing that team. So if you're going to put yourself in the minds of nine teenage girls who are about to play that game, And they think they're going to get killed. So that's what I'm talking to. So I go to watch the game. And uh, here we are. As I watch the team sitting and waiting on the bleachers, eyeing the other team, their mindset was clearly along these lines. There's no way we can get a bat on that ball, I imagined. It's hot and muggy. What's the point? We should just call it a day and go have pizza. But the coach knew me and what I did for a living. And right before the game started, he looked up and said to my daughter's chagrin, hollered, hey you, Mr. Motivational Speaker, you got five minutes, motivate them. If you've ever had teenage girl or kids or been one yourself, you know how easy it is to motivate and inspire them, not. I had given hundreds of speeches, but I was never quite as nervous as I was for this one. So I made my way down studiously, avoiding the look from one particular team member. I had plenty of limiting thoughts myself, but I knew theirs were worse. I started with a classic motivational question. If I ask you not to think about pink elephants, what are you thinking about? They all answered, pink elephants. The mind can't process the negative, I told them. And they would tell themselves, I hope I don't strike out And they weren't thinking about don't or not. They were thinking about striking out, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Every thought and action was in relation to striking out. To change from focusing on their limiting thoughts 
they had to go to the desired outcome. I asked what the thing was they wanted to do with the plate, and they answered, get ahead. So I asked them to promise only one thing, that when they went back, all they would visualize is where the ball would go. They won the game. It wasn't my doing. All I did was give them an option. Instead of entertaining a limiting thought, don't strike out, each girl chose instead to consider an action that supported their objective, get a hit. Amazing. Thank you. That's really beautiful. I really appreciate you reading that to me. Thank you. And to us. Um, I, I'm actually really curious a little bit more about your own journey, Ron, and how you got where you are now. Um, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that you have ADD and that you're, you know, meditating. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and your journey? You said you moved from New living in New York your whole life to Florida. I'm, I'm kind of curious to, to get to know you a little bit better and understand, you know, what your journey was like, your development journey and, um, yeah, and how, how you dealt with ADD as well in like maybe how, how was it before and now you're meditating like give give us some more insight into that well ADD was not my main issue um it's it was an issue but not my main issue I mean okay. we're all products of of, of what we, what our journeys have been mm. and um <clears throat> I'm the son of a uh father who was a holocaust survivor mm -hmm. um put in a Siberian camp when he was caught by the Russians trying to escape Poland and had a vicious experience. And uh, it's been documented that children of Holocaust survivors have not had easy childhoods, mostly abuse, not sexual, but physical, verbal, because they have seen such horrible things that they'll do whatever they can to protect you from having to go through what they did. Unfortunately, they create a prison. Uh, they create standards that are impossible to reach and if you don't uh reach them then you know they let you know that in uncertain terms mm -hmm. so uh my my confidence was shot when i was a teenager i wasn't allowed to go play i had to do all these things and i didn't have the social skills so um and then i had all those negative stories like i was a fraud everything that my father drilled into me as he was trying to do a good thing, but he was really doing a very bad thing. So um, by the time I got out of college, I had to get my confidence going. And uh, it was a tough journey, you know, um, a lot of uh, success and failures along the way, and you pick yourself up, but you learn about yourself and you learn about what it is that you really bring and the value that you uh, have. What it did for me was, um, and by the way, ADD, um, as I've studied it, uh, you can have genes for ADD, but two people with genes, one person may have it and one person may not because it's been proven that ADD is also environmentally produced, meaning that it's the environment you grow into. So the environment I was in was trying to think of all these different options to protect myself. Mm -hmm. So that's activated my ADD genes. So my mind is scattered and I can think of five different directions at time. But that's a good thing for my clients because I'm already ahead of them and I'm already identifying where the challenges are. Like anything else, if it's overused, they become a weakness. So for many years, I didn't embrace that about myself. I saw it as a liability and I, I was upset with myself. Like, why can't you remember things? Why are you all over the place? And I was beating myself up mercilessly. And 
when I got mature enough to realize, well, wait a minute, it's an asset. And why don't I just celebrate the asset about myself? Um, when I got to that point, that's when my career started to really take off. Because, you know, there was so much anger and resistance about having it that you weren't able to embrace the full potentiality of it. And when you, uh, you know, uh, when martial arts are taught, you know, like, for example, judo or whatever, one of the things they teach is, you know, if someone's throwing a punch at you, you know, you don't have strength going like this. You know, you gotta, that's a pretty weak position. What they do is they, they go with the flow. So instead of trying to stop the punch, they'll take the punch and go with it and flip you over. Mm -hmm. So we have to learn how to go with our strengths instead of resisting while we look a certain way or we don't have a certain skill set or whatever. When you can embrace the strengths that you have and go with it, that's when you're going to gain velocity and, and be much stronger in life, if that makes sense. Yeah. So having gone through that journey, I was always a, I persevered. I had other issues. I had a rhoticism, uh, which I couldn't enunciate my R's. That led to some bullying in school, things we cover in the book. And I talk about, you know, how you can overcome that. But where I really came to velocity was um, after I was done with the presidency of the National Speakers Association in 2014, I had nine surgeries, mostly on my back. Tiger Woods had one level fuse on his back. I have nine levels fused. So for those three years, you know, I was at that time 57. I was laid up, you know, on painkillers, you know, and having all these surgeries. And you start looking at your life. And I looked at my successes, which was quite a few. I looked at the things I didn't get to. And when I found out why, I realized, number one, it was the stories I was telling myself that were limiting me. But number two is I started saying, well, you don't have a lot of time left. You're on the back nine, so you better get going. So that's where velocity was. But I realized I was always talking about velocity to my clients because my strength was helping them get to where they wanted to be sooner or later, you know, figuring out what's stopping them and how they get there. So I developed a new passion. You know, at that point, I was a sales and leadership expert, which I still am. But now my passion was is to help everybody, not just managers or salespeople, but everybody help them get to where they want to be in life so that they never wake up at the end of a given period of time or disappointed because they didn't get there because of self-limiting stories because of the fact that they didn't understand where they were trying to get to because they were task-oriented versus purpose-oriented and so forth that's my passion helping people figure out where they're trying to go and help them get there sooner or later mm -hmm. And um, if you look at your life now, you know, after having this maybe big realization, where do you still want to go? Like what is, you know, besides obviously your work mission, what, what is it that, that you want to experience? What is your purpose? My true goal is that peace in my mind. Because um, I'm always having all these battles. I mean, I live on battles and that's how I was wired. And so part of it is just have a peaceful existence and not worry about a lot of stuff and enjoy life. That's what I really want to do. Learn how to enjoy life. And I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. Is that why you moved to Florida? Yes. Um, you know, because of the surgeries, I lost a lot of money. And then COVID obviously destroyed a lot of speaking businesses. I, because I've been a, a known entity, you know, I had clients that I was on consulting contracts with. So while everything dried up speaking wise, I was still able to keep going. Mm -hmm. 
So my, my, my strategy at that time before COVID hit was, well, you know, just work as hard as you can to your 70 and then you slow down. Well, COVID hits and it really uh, changed everybody's sense of reality and what they're working on. And I said, well, why do I have to wait till I'm 70? COVID taught us that we don't know how long we have. Why can't you just go to Florida now and look at your business model, redo it a little bit and go play golf as much often as you can and enjoy the life you want. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. Very nice. Do you have any other routines um, that help you uh, find that peace? Like, do you check in with yourself on a regular basis? And, or do you sometimes lose that of like, okay, I'm all over the place again. And then you kind of draw yourself back. Well, like checking in with myself is not an issue because I'm always thinking. So. <laughs> so that's not my issue. Sometimes I check in too much with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I can relate but, to that. <laughs> But I walk in the mornings. I do my three to four mile walk and I push myself. I push myself, you know, to do it 20 seconds faster this time or mm-hmm. push yourself to go a little longer. Because the more you push yourself through these things, what I find is it gives you more focus during the day, number one. And when the first thought comes, oh, this won't work or whatever, you're not even listening to that self because you're automatically pushing yourself because you already started your day doing that on the walk. So if it's not a walk for anybody, they want to swim, they want to run, bike, how do you push yourself on a continuous basis, which at the end of the day also gives you focus and energy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really beautiful. Do you have a book that changed your life? Do you have a book that you will go back to over and over again because you feel like there are so many wisdom in it that it relates no matter what time you take it? Yeah, so there's been several, but, um, and again, because of the ADD, I can't remember um, sometimes titles. So, but there was a book by Erd Yalom, and I'm just looking up for the, uh, yeah, Staring at the Sun. So um, I had an issue with death, you know, I feared death. And so I started studying it all and all that. And Erd had a really great concept. He goes, One of the reasons why people, when they get to their deathbed and they're having trouble transitioning is because they're so worried about their legacy. Mm. And everybody's trying to have that perfect legacy that can survive the sands of time. And he goes, why? Think about this. You know, you pass away in 20 years, who remembers you? Your kids, maybe, as they get older, grandkids. But then 50 years from now, after your kids may not be here anymore, who remembers you? Bottom line is, as the years go, very few people remember will remember you. Yet you're still worried about leaving that legacy that you can't even stand up to it yourself, and therefore you think you failed while you're here on Earth. Mm-hmm. His concept was to change legacy for rippling. And, it's, and what it means is this. If I say something to you, Julia, and it really impacts your life, I've helped you, right? Mm-hmm. then you in turn are passing that on to somebody else by how well you're doing now. And then they remember that and then they pass it on to other people. But at the end of the day, what's not being passed on is the name of who did it. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What he did say was get as many ripples in life as possible. When you know you've helped a lot of people along the way with those ripples, that will be enough to satisfy you. Mm-hmm. And to make you feel like you have succeeded while you were here. So don't worry about being remembered. Worry about making the impacts while you're here. And when we are making the impacts, that's when we get satisfaction. 
That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Ron, for sharing all of these wonderful insights with us today. If people are curious to learn more about you, how can they best reach out to you? So again, remember, uh, the Velocity Mindset is quote unquote a leadership book, but it's for everybody. Mm -hmm. right? So if you want to learn how to uh, eliminate resistance, get people to buy into your ideas and get what you want faster, um, go to VelocityMindset.com. That's VelocityMindset.com. There's several things there. Number one, we send out every Friday morning videos on Velocity Mindset to keep you in the conversation. So it'll ask you for your email. Simply give it and you'll get those videos for free. There's also a free leadership assessment. Five questions you asked. And then you get best practices and tips on how to move forward in each of those areas. Amazing. So please sign up for that free leadership assessment. There'll be a lot of value and information for you on that. And also to get the book, then there'll be a link to go to Amazon and purchase the book on Amazon. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, I am very curious. I'll definitely do that after our conversation. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ron. Um, I really appreciate um, the, the wonderful insights and I wish you really all the best to create as many reports as possible in your life. Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you for creating the ripples you are through this podcast.